Mr. Speaker. Now, let us talk about uh, the government, shall we? Um, the government has announced an end to offshore... Or, oh, I should say good morning. Good morning. Uh, Morena to Marina. you both. Um, the government has announced an, an end to offshore oil exploration with no new permits being awarded uh, for offshore drilling and an end to onshore permits, uh, but awarding a three-year grace period for onshore. Uh, is this a game changer uh, or, or is it a token piece of legislation uh, that forces, uh, this force upon a low emissions industry uh, when comparing it to coal? You could say it's both. Um, it's a game changer if, if these policies uh, are kept in place for the next 30 years, uh, which is the time where um, uh, uh, various clauses and various agreements will run out and so there will not be no more uh, oil exploration mm. but um, uh, some people have tried to compare uh, this crackdown on oil exploration with say David Longy and the fourth Labour government's yes. uh, nuclear free moment when they banned all nuclear fr- uh, nuclear ships nuclear, nuclear armed ships or nuclear propelled ships into nuclear waters now it would be more like that if um, uh, David Longy had said well for the next 30 years you can bring the ships in but after that mm. cutting you off so no it's, it's, it, I don't think it can be compared to that moment um, some people could argue that it's a, it's a form of virtual signalling on the government's part because um, you know Jacinda Ardern's not going to be Prime Minister in 30 years uh, possibly no one in this cabinet who's going to be in the government in 30 years so um, the, the government could certainly have been a lot more bold and radical um, but Nonetheless, um, for uh, a Western country, um, or any country that has uh, potentially huge um, resources of, of gas and oil that can be tapped into, um, yeah, it can be um, um, argued that it, 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 it's a bold move in terms of the vision that it projects. Mm, mm. I mean, yeah, the, this timescale, that timescale really sits around existing permits, and you can't exactly get, a, get rid of... Uh, existing deals, there'll be a whole bunch of legal uh, implications, I would imagine, upon the government if that was the case. But of course the government is sovereign, uh, parliament is sovereign, um, in, in a sense the government can do what it likes, it can change any laws uh, regarding um, mm. contracts uh, um, 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 and, and um, make laws in their, in their favour, so there, it would be very difficult to sue the government, so there there, there's for- always ways of getting around that. Yeah, it all depends on the contracts that are already signed as mm. well, what they say within them, mm. Yeah, which we are not privy to. Um, Yes, but there's a few winners within this. I know the people of Oamaru will be gutted because, you know, there was the big basin off the coast of that. But, you know, um, if you look at the Naki and uh, the habitation for the dolphin, for the Hector's dolphin and the like, it's it's really important. Um, but who are the winners and losers here? What, what are your thoughts on this, Phil? Well, of course, uh, a few, another government that gets in in the future, um, like if National Berlin and... 2020 or 2023 um, presumably can reverse this especially because of the 30 year um, thing and they can just say well we'll continue to let people apply for licenses and continue after after um, the 30 year limit has has run out Hmm. I guess part of the problem is uh, 
you know, that's going to mean the loss of quite a few jobs. Mm. And, you know, in Taranaki, it's going to be hit fairly hard. And like you're saying, um, a bit of a blow for other places like, like Omaru. And where's the guarantee that there are going to be alternative jobs mm. for those people? And so there's this balance between the environment and jobs where I'm all in favour of environmental protection, but you have to make sure that there are actually decent paying jobs that are in place for people to be able to take up. And especially if they w want to continue to live in Taranaki and they don't necessarily all want to move to Auckland mm. to work in fast food or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, so potentially there are human losses involved in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with Phil that um, uh, any transition, um, even though it's uh, it will be over thirty years, but any transition uh, should take account of jobs that will be lost and also uh, potential jobs that won't be allowed to be created. And I, I, I definitely think that um, um, it's not good enough for the government just to say, okay, we're going to halt oil exploration um, over a thirty-year period. But they also have to, they should already have a, a concrete plan of how to uh, build growth in the economy and build new potential mm. industries and new jobs to replace those those lost jobs and yeah. I'm not hearing that from this government um, Yeah, I mean this is where um, you need to find alternatives like green tech jobs, you know, because mm. I mean that's the way you have to go if you're going to get rid of petrochemical mm. uh, the petrochemical industry you have to find a new energy source right sure yeah yeah, yeah. and um, pr the private sector is not going to just spontaneously do this either no no so that's where the state ha surely has an and the government government has an obligation if they're going to implement a policy <laughs> which you know takes away fairly well-paid jobs yes. you know then they have to lead the way in providing Alternative, well-paid jobs. Yes, hemp. Well, whatever it is, <laughs> well, whatever it is, it has to be. It has to be serious jobs, and they yeah. have to be well-paid. But I mean, you, I mean, when it comes to climate change, and <coughs> it comes to, to this, even though this is, um, you know, that they are saying compared to coal and other um, and other energy sources, this is quite low emission, uh, especially because a lot of the what has been pulled out from the Taranaki Basin is um, natural gas. Mm. Um, oh, where was I going with that? Um, the, the, so it's it's not the the biggest the biggest polluter, uh, but it's still a polluter. But you've got so to break. Again, is, is this really virtual yeah. signaling on the part yeah. of the I government? Mean, why aren't they closing down coal mines on, oh. on the west coast? But I mean, mm. is is this? Um, or why aren't they forcing dairy farmers to uh, lower their uh, emissions? Yeah, well, well, I know that you know from the documents that um, came well, that came about two thousand and seventeen and what they were talking about, they are going to start the emission trading scheme and charging farmers for their pollution, which is fear mm. they're creating it so why wouldn't they pay for it um it seems ridiculous that they wouldn't um but oh, yeah i mean certainly the oil industry has questioned uh uh whether this is um a form of just sort of uh, a moral stance on the part of the government rather mm. than a stance that will actually really have any impact um drastic impact on emissions and remember if we uh if if um if, the, if there's potential oil all around New Zealand that can be tapped into, 
and laws are passed to, to stop mm. that process, then that oil has to come from somewhere, mm. and that means it comes in big ships from yeah. halfway around the world. Yeah, well, I mean, the majority of this oil that's coming out of the Naki and stuff like that <coughs> is going up to Marston Point and then being exported anyway. We're not using any of this mm. oil. Mm. I mean, the majority of the oil we're not using, so we're importing about oil anyway. So, there, I mean, there are we are using some of it, but um, in terms of petrol for your cars, no, mm. not at all. Yeah. But you've and got to break a few eggs to make an omelette, right? I mean, and climate change is real <coughs> and, and it needs to start somewhere um, you know you've got to start with an industry you, uh, other places around the world um, France is starting with banning um, cars you know um, you know it's going to be all electric, electric. cars mm. by what 2030 mm. I believe 2030 2040 um, so they're, they're making big moves and I think you've, you, when it's such a big deal you have to make huge moves there's no sure yeah I, I agree to, with yeah, that but you have to have alternatives in place you don't make the big move and then think, oh, well, now we'll, we'll organise some alternatives or we'll let the market <laughs> organise the alternatives. You have to have things in place beforehand. And like John was saying, one of the arguments of the oil industry is that the um, exploration and drilling in New Zealand is relatively low impact compared to exploration and drilling in a low lot of other countries. Low impact on what, though? Not on our marine life. Yeah. Well, but, but it, the it would argument only be a high impact if there was, um, like, uh, <coughs> if there was a leak, like yeah. an oil yeah. leak. But other than that, I don't think there's a high impact, to my knowledge, just oh, oh, well, by drilling. Yeah, well, seismic testing in um, areas is, is not good. You've got to think about dolphins and, and uh, whales, how sure they communicate. And, and, yep. and the like, I mean, it's leading to beachings and all, all manner of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but relatively low impact compared to a lot of um, exploration and drilling overseas. And that will actually continue. And the argument that some people in the oil industry have made is that people in New Zealand are still going to be using oil. The oil is just going to be imported. And as well as the ships that's going to bring them there that John mentioned, yeah. the, that, the impact of the exploration and drilling... Elsewhere yeah, is who's creating that impact then? Though the, the industry themselves, I mean, they, they're talking yeah. about places like Nigeria where there's low regulations. I mean, they're not necessarily talking about the Caribbean where you get the odd uh, fuck up because of you know um, because of cowboys. They're talking about places like Nigeria where Shell has, for decades, been very negligent. Um, yeah, and sure. so it's people in the third world that are going to yeah, continue yeah, to suffer. Yeah, but it's the company and the industry yeah. that's doing oh, it themselves because yeah. they can get away with that's it. it. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, really, if we want to shift away from fossil fuels, um, oil, coal, etc., then it really calls for huge government investment uh, mm-hmm. in, in electric cars to make electric cars affordable. Mm-hmm. Really, that uh, only people on a, a pretty good income can afford an electric car at the moment. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, the, the cost of uh, um, uh, um, re um, putting, I, I don't know the term for it, when you put electricity in the car, it's very cheap. I mm. mean, you can do it for a few dollars or, yes, or less. I, um, I think there's some charges around the country that are actually free. Mm. Um, but at the moment, uh, it's really a, a vehicle for um, very well-incomed people and, um, and, and, and to put, um, yeah, the, the really if we want a more egalitarian system where everyone um, uh, uh, pays a cost collectively Mm. in some sense um, through uh, restrictions on the use of petrol but also everyone has access to new technology then I think that that calls for um, um, bold government planning 
Yeah, um, yeah. Or you just end up with a situation where um, where vehicles will will be more um, vehicles for for richer people. Jump on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, do we have the time though? I mean, we might be paying a price now, but the price will be higher in the future. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's that whole thing. You know, climate change is real. It's not going to stop. You either pay no. billions now, or you pay tens of billions. Oh. In 30 years, 30 years is a long time in this game. It may not seem like a very long time, mm. but with uh, with how, what we are dealing with now, it is um, you know it, it, a lot is going to change in 30 years. I mean, I'm very interested in um, uh, uh, some of the ideas of Professor Jim Flynn here at Otago University. He wrote a book, um, I believe, last year, uh, looking at engineering solutions to to climate change, and um, he was even very critical of the Green Party, saying, "Well, if the Green Party really believes that." Um, Climate change is going to have such a drastic effect on on the world's environment and on human societies. Then that what they're actually proposing is very weak. And um, mm. I mean, the, um, James Shaw seems reasonably happy with the stance that the government's taken. Um, but if 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 projections that that are say coming out of the Green Party and environmental groups are true, then um, radical international solutions are needed for dealing with climate change and um, I, I certainly don't think we're hearing that from this government no. or any government in the world for that. <laughs> we want to pick on this government but yes it's it's not uh, it's not this government's nuclear free moment. Oh. Something far more radical is needed. Oh without doubt. Yep. All right, um, should we move on to uh, the new Green co-leader, Marama Davison? Uh, Ladslide victory, really. Um, interesting, very interesting race, um, especially with members threatening to pull out of the party. Yes. Uh, you know, if either of the preferred candidates, but especially if uh, Marama had lost, mm. um, you had a lot... Uh, saying that you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll pull my thing. So that, I mean, that's showing fractures and, and cracks within mm. uh, the party base, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's arguable if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I, I, I personally think, as someone who's very interested in politics, that when when div- divisions and differences in ideology are actually hidden within a political party and, and, and don't come out into the open, then that's not a good thing. That it's, it's good to have um, a rigorous political debate even within a political party. It's not really debate when you're going to throw your toys and walk away from no, the party. I don't think if, it, if, if, you, if you lose, that's not a debate. Yes, uh, yes <laughs> that's problematic. Agreed, agreed, yes. It was kind of ridiculous. But I think in that situation it was a, the, the problem was that people felt that the nature of the Green Party would change and that if um, Julianne Genta became the co-leader rather than Marilyn Davidson, then it would be weighted towards the so-called moderates Mm. and and, um, more more politically conservative, less radical elements. So in that case, I don't think it was just throwing their toys um, and throwing their toys out, it was yeah. it was the argument was that the party would be too far. You know, it, it would have actually changed yeah, yeah, in, exactly. in character. Yeah, but yeah. they clearly had nothing to worry about. I mean, uh, yeah. Davison got a landslide victory, yeah. 110 votes to 34 votes. How many um, votes? Wait, I mean, I thought every member of the Green Party could vote. No, it's delegates. It's oh, is it de- oh yeah. Okay, it's like a union. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, is this really a shift to the left, or is this a like for like? I no, I think I think it, it does represent a shift to the left and a, a, a shift back to some form of, of radicalism. <coughs> 
um, um, on the part of the Greens. She's not just like Materia too, right? Her rhetoric has been consistently uh, more radical and arguably more left-wing than any other person within that caucus at the moment. Um, I would argue that, um, for example, Materia Ture, when she became co-leader, and she remember she bet Sue Bradford. Oh, yes. Sue Bradford stood on a very That's clear, uh, hard economic left-wing yes. position yes. and she lost and Materia Ture um, at that time actually made it very clear that she was more flexible mm. and, 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 and more modern, more uh, adapted <coughs> to a modern political life. So um, even though Materia Ture in the end was seen as being on the left of the party at that particular stage it was seen even then as a move to the right, the fact that um, Sue Bradford lost. Um, and a number of political commentators are saying that with every um, with e- every leadership vote that's happened in the Greens since the last 20 years, it's always represented a shift to the right. So yeah. the more moderate mm-hmm. uh, um, um, leaders are the ones who have gone in from Russell Norman to Materia Ture uh, to James Shaw. Um, this is the first time that... Um, at least if you go on people's rhetoric, at least if you go on Mara Mara Davison's rhetoric, um, it does seem like a shift to the left and a shift back to radicalism. And she's using she's using um, um, a rhetoric like saying things we need to go even further, be even bolder, we need to turn our faces back to the streets, uh, we, we need to pull this government um, into a real progressive position. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's making it pretty clear that from her point of view, uh, she wants to be seen as sort of a, a street-level radical uh, that's going to push this government around. Street sharks. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> and so I think that's going to um, quite possibly worry uh, people like Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson mm. and Winston Peters, etc., etc., et who who don't don't want uh, someone uh, coming from the left <coughs> criticising this government and showing them up, saying, "Hey, wait a minute, are you really a progressive government?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, uh, <coughs> but now she can't ask any questions, Phil, uh, in the house, and you know, and maybe well, she, that was part of the plan. She uh, can still ask questions, but uh, they're just limited. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she did take. Yeah, she actually yeah. talked back one of National's questions that the Greens had given them, yeah. uh, and, and used that to criticise yeah. the government. Yeah, yeah. So I well, think she's going to be quite feisty. I, and you know, I think while they are a coalition member, they're still not a coalition member within government. They're just a, yeah. a confidence and supply member, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, they're not officially coalition. So it is her place yeah. to question the government. And she's not, yeah. not a minister. Well, so yes, that gives her even more freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think also that. I mean, there must be a certain amount of resentment in the, in the Greens at the amount of times that Labour has screwed them over. Yeah. You know, going back to the Clark era, where Helen Clark persistently, you know, um, screwed them over in various ways, including choosing New Zealand first and so on. And then, I mean, Labour basically tried to cannibalise their vote um, in last year's election, and I think they they prefer a Labour-led government to a national-led government, but I think there must be a certain amount of resentment in the Greens that mm-hmm. you know, Labour keeps screwing them over. And they need to differentiate themselves from from Labour. And, you know, she will be... She could well be the person to do it more yes. more than mm. James Shaw. You know, and, I mean, this is somebody who, you know, she was on the Gaza flotilla, which takes a certain amount of... of gumption so oh, she yeah. is you know she's got some feistiness and some some guts and you know she comes from a leftish background you know um she's rowery paratini's daughter 
Um, yeah, I think it could, it could be interesting. And she yeah. seems to be far more concerned about social issues, social yeah. economic issues, and yeah. environmental yes. issues. And yeah. that's going to be important for their base and for mm. growing their base within mm. the lower socio-economic, the, yeah. the ones they have lost to labour. Mm. Yes. But the thing, yeah. I think the thing that will be telling is that when uh, tensions arise over, say, her criticising uh, the Labour-led government and internally, if she's getting pressure from, say, people like James Shaw and other more moderates in the Greens, whether she uh, buckles under and suddenly goes quiet or mm. whether she's prepared to push against those more moderate Greens. She might create the pressure. True. True. I guess it, I guess the danger for her is that she certainly doesn't want to cause a split in the Greens. Um, some people sort of talk about the Greens as though there's a sort of pr- explicitly pro-capitalist wing, uh, mm. so Russell Norman in the past, James Shaw James now, um, and both those leaders have said that more or less uh, the, they see the market as the um, the main force for generating wealth in the world. So, um, whereas there, there's people who subjectively see themselves as anti-capitalist mm. and, and anti-big business in the Greens. Um, so whether those uh, two factions can actually continue to work together, or all the contradictions uh, that are really underlying the Greens as a party, will, th- will they actually come out into the forefront if Marama Davidson and some of the more left-wing MPs are, end up sort of attacking this government on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Um, bad for the National Party, not that, you know, James had ever come out and said, you know, we would go with them, but there's no way in hope that if the, if the National Party tried to court them for the next election, uh, yes. th- th- it's, that's yep. gone and mm. done and dusted, even if there was just an inkling of chance. Mm. And it's similar um, when there was a time when, when Russell Norman was uh, leader of the Green Party and he was sort of flirting with the idea that the the Greens could go with National. It was actually um, Sue Bradford who, um, uh, not openly, but within the party said no. Uh, I that's unacceptable. Um, I, she put her foot down, and that prevented the Greens going with National. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. This could be a similar scenario where someone like James Shaw feels more open to the idea of working with National, where someone like Mara Davidson and her left-wing base would be completely hostile to that idea. Mm-hmm. Do you think is this good or bad for the Green Party, Phil? I think it's probably good for them. Um, it will bolster their ability to differentiate themselves from the Labour government. Uh-huh. Um, I think she's got like way more in the in the way of street cred than say Julianne Genta. I mean, I, I feel a bit sorry for Julianne because I'm sure her American accent doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and there's a bit there's probably a bit of you know horrible sort of petty New Zealand nationalism in in there. Um, but I think it's it's yeah overall it's probably good for the Greens. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, at the next election. Yes. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing will be, of course, when people get into these positions, the, the historic tendency is for them to moderate and for them to, you know, yeah. be subsumed within the system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But it's a section of the Greens that have a vested interest in not being subsumed in the system because part of their ability to get over 5% is them not being associated with the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got to be radical yeah. in some way, right? And, yeah. and that definitely does appeal to at least 5% of the electorate. Yeah, and she'll be better in terms of, like, if the Greens are going to grow, well, they need to claw but back a some of the people that switch to Labour but the, the, there's also that big constituency that doesn't vote 
um, especially among young people, that the Greens you'd think would have you know, a certain more appeal to than any of the other parties, mm. and she could be somebody that is able to generate some support there, mm. although I think there are actually structural reasons why people don't vote, and I don't think that's going to change in yeah, the short yeah. term. All right, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we're a long way off in the next election, but uh, we're not far off from, um, you know, uh, plenty of time in Parliament, and we'll see where she goes. For sure. Where mm. she goes, it's going to be exciting. Um, I think she's fantastic, and, and she'll she'll feel very confident because she, you know, it was a landslide victory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. I feel she's great, and I feel that the mainstream media sucks. As you know, um, we're going to go, but um, one of the first things they talk about is, have you uh, committed benefit fraud? Oh, for you know, that came yeah, out straight yeah. away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course yeah. it did. You know, a mother of ten. I've uh, been on the benefit before. They're like, have you defrauded the system? You know? Yeah. Why don't they go after Paul? If they want, I mean, oh. I don't think they should go after anyone, but mm. you know, if, they, if they want to do that, why aren't they, you know, subjecting Paula Bennett to those kinds yeah. of rigours? Because she always looks uncomfortable when that question comes oh. up. Anika Moore, <laughs> Anika Moore called her uh, Paula Benefit on TV <laughs> uh, when she interviewed her last week, and it was just a golden moment of New Zealand television. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, I like Anika Moore. Oh, she's the greatest. She's the greatest. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Uh,